Is DJ Moore a top 20 receiver this season? Could Devontae Adams have an even bigger 2019 than 2018? And what do we make of Saquon Barkley's Penn State backup for dynasty purposes? Plus, Ryan Haida, a two-time 2018 FFPC Dynasty champion, sits in for Dave Gerzak tonight as we discuss the Leonard Fournette arrest, the Patriots' new Gronk replacement, and more. We've got a great show for you. Ryan Haida is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. Put your hands, everybody. If you got what it takes. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Salutations, all of you Balkaholics. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is normally the patron saint of fantasy football, the Dizzle, Dave Gerzak. Uh, He is off this week, but sitting in for him tonight, an avid sports fan who started participating in fantasy sports Back in 1987, he joined the FFPC in 2015 after he got tired of playing on free sites with no incentives. Currently, he has two successful dynasty teams, but drafts many more FFPC teams annually. He says he's happy to be part of the High Stakes family, and I'm happy to have him co-hosting with me tonight. Please welcome in a two-time FFPC dynasty champ from 2018, Mr. Ryan Haida. Ryan, thanks so much for doing the show tonight, man. Thank you for having me, Eric. I know it was short notice, and, and uh, you graciously made some time uh, on, uh, on your busy Thursday night to, to talk a little fantasy football. I'm looking forward to it. I think we're going to learn a lot and have a lot of fun tonight. I think so. It's a, it's a passion and a hobby, and I'm glad I could be part of it. Yeah, for sure. Coming up on tonight's show, Ryan and I are going to talk about Bruce Arians, new 100-catch guy, who the number one receiver is for the Giants and whether it even matters, and much more. Shout out to the chat room right now. Feel free to post any questions you all might have in there if you want to connect with us on Twitter. The show is at HSFF Hour. I am at Eric Balkman. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFF Hour. And if you want to give us a call, 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVER. HighStakesFantasyFootball at gmail.com is where to reach us. If you have any questions for us, now is your last chance to send them in. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the show tweets, and all the show emails, any fantasy feedback segment coming up later on in the show. The audio engineer is Bryce. The producer and our mutual friend is Rob. And they'll all be working hard on a special Thursday night show this week. Uh, Appreciate all of you guys uh, tuning in live uh, for this program. I know it was a little bit different this week, but... Hopefully it, 
it uh, didn't put uh, anybody's schedules out too much. Um, the last pre-NFL draft dynasty startups are forming now at myffpc.com. If you saw the FFPC e-newsletter that went out today, uh, there's three of them that are drafting uh, coming up this weekend, and those are the last ones before the NFL draft. So if you want to get in on a pre-NFL draft made in dynasty draft, now is the time to get in. Some uh, spots still open in there. Best ball, super flex, and double ups available at myffpc.com as well. And I want to give a shout-out to Tony Pong, who is this week's guest on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown with uh, yours truly. That actually dropped early this morning on rotoviz.com slash podcast. You can listen into that. Uh, Tony, obviously, uh, like Ryan, a very successful Dynasty player. We got into a lot of Dynasty philosophy discussion on that. Uh, And you can download that, uh, you know, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, anywhere you can get your podcast. Also at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Check out the latest Rotoviz HSLD. Let's get into uh, Ryan Haida's interview here. Ryan, when you are not enjoying fantasy football, can you tell us a little bit about what you do for a living? Uh, well, currently I'm a quality assurance manager at uh, Ford Credit. Uh, essentially, my employees monitor customer service calls and emails and chats and provide feedback to them. But, I mean, that, that's only part of my job. My other job is a full-time dad where I'm pretty consistently running kids around and going to sporting events. How do you, how do you find the time to, to fit in, you know, dynasty trades and, and managing your lineups and cut downs and everything like that? You just got to wedge it in when you get free time? Well, pretty much. I mean, I will tell you, I used to be in a, a lot of fantasy sports, and I pretty much just had to do with, you know, baseball and some of the other ones that I was in just to, just to focus on football. Uh, and us- usually it's more in the evenings after I get kids to bed or situated. Yeah, and that's the great thing about uh, about Dynasty is, uh, it, it, it you know, whenever you have a chance to, to send offers or respond to offers, and you kind of do it at your own time, which I definitely enjoy. Uh, so speaking of Dynasty, congratulations on the 250 Dynasty League number one title. There's a lot of players that are on this squad that we're going to talk about here in the uh, first 20 minutes of the show. One of the guys that you have on this squad might be in for a big 2019. Jordan Howard was shipped to Philadelphia. The Bears have signed Mike Davis. Uh, We'll have to see what happens, what they do at at the other running back position. But right now, Ryan, Tariq Cohen looks like he is not only in for a big year, it could be a bigger year uh, this season than what he had last year and a lot more touches. Your thoughts? on what you expect for Tariq Cohen in that Matt Nagy offense in year two. Well, I, I, I definitely expect a little bigger year out of him. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I, I, I believe that Mike Davis is more, more or less going to play more of the Jordan Howard role. However, I, I think he's got a few more skills. Um, but I, I, I think Tariq's really going to be uh, used more – more so as a receiver this year. And essentially when I, I actually picked, picked up Tariq about a year and a half ago, I think I gave like a second round draft pick for him. Uh, but I guess I, I envisioned him as being more of the uh, Tyree kill of the bears. So I, I, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him with that. One of the things that always kind of, I don't want to say concerns me, but, I think, and, you know, it, it's early on in the process. I mean, we've seen one year of Matt Nagy's offense, but it seems like, and, and as an Allen Robinson owner in a lot of leagues last year, I, I was frustrated by this. Um, they really spread the ball around there. Like Jordan Howard got his touches. Tariq Cohen got a lot of touches. 
Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, uh, Trey Burton. It, it, it was difficult to pinpoint um, who was going to have a big week from game to game. And, and I don't know if, I, I, you know, if that continues, it's probably more frustration. But if there is one guy on this offense, Ryan, that, that I'm going to count on week to week, it's going to be Tariq Cohen. Uh, I, I, I agree. I mean, he's, he, he, he's, he's such a special back really when it, when it boils down to it. Uh, but I, I also think this offense is, is definitely going to be better too. I mean, and, and to complement that defense, you know, with that, with that, with that defense full and stride, I, I think it's just going to lead to more opportunities for the offense. So I expect to see a, you know, a, a bit more scoring out of them too and opportunities. And I, and I actually, think the Allen Robinson uh, of the world is is actually even going to have a better year. Just, I mean, he was coming off the ACL last year. And, um, uh, I, I think they really, him and Trubisky really clicked there towards the end of the year too. I, I think just, you know, opening up that offense and keep it going, I think they're going to score a few more points. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, coming off, you know, the, the year off with, with the ACL, hopefully his knee is, is even stronger this year and getting that chemistry together. Mitchell Trubisky, certainly very important. Tariq Cohen, getting back to him, he is currently going at the 406, according to the ADP report from our friend Darren Armani at FantasyMojo.com. 406 is where Tariq Cohen is going in redraft league. That is behind Carrion Johnson, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Freeman, but it is ahead of Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, and Darius Geis. So let's uh, let's talk about one of uh, my my normal co-host, Dave Gerzak. Loved DJ Moore. Loved him last year as far as Dynasty goes as well. It's one of his favorite young receivers out there. And he is on your championship 2050, uh, excuse me, uh, 250 number one league uh, team. DJ Moore, do you see him? I mean, he's going to take a leap forward. How big is that leap going to be? Because you're looking at a, a, his second year in the league, uh, no Devin Funches there. Greg Olson's another year older. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's going to catch a ton of balls. We know that. But, you know, I look at DJ Moore, Ryan, and I think the sky's the limit for him right now. I do. Uh, you know, and I, I was, you know, actually, when I was looking at cuts and whatnot, I would have never cut him. But I was just kind of curious where he was at last year. Um, and, and, you know, he was, I think he had about 55 receptions last year and right around 780-some yards. Uh, so, I mean, just taking that in consideration, I, I can definitely see uh, re- receptions pop up to 80, 85 anywhere from 1,100 to 1,200 yards, I guess. I don't know where I was just kind of thinking. It, it, as, as long as you don't run into some of the struggles that he had early on last year, because I know he had, you know, some of the didn't, – didn't hold on to the ball and whatnot. Uh, but I also think that a lot also depends on the shoulder of Cam Newton. Uh, Cam really no, didn't look all point. that. It, you know, and and that's I and I think that's part of the reason that you know McCaffrey got. Uh, I mean, McCaffrey's super talented, so I don't want to say that's the only reason that he was getting all those catches because Cam couldn't throw it any further down the field than to McCaffrey. But I, I, this leads me into my second part part of my question here. If Moore gets 80 catches, if he gets 1,100 yards, if he gets six touchdowns, I mean, that's a top 20 receiver next year, is it, is it not? Well, I was thinking around there. I would say definitely within the, the top 30. And I'll, I'll certainly take that from a second-year guy with really there's not a ton of support around him. I mean, there's, him and McCaffrey are really the two main weapons. We'll have to see how Greg Olson does or see if Ian plays more of a role. D 
DJ Moore currently going at the 512, the final pick of the fifth round in FFPC draft. Um, as wide receiver 22, he is going behind a pair of Rams receivers in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, as well as uh, Chris Godwin going right in front of him. Uh, however, DJ Moore being drafted by FFPC players ahead of guys like Jarvis Landry, Mike Williams, and Calvin Ridley. Uh, let's talk about Chris Godwin as, as long as we're bringing him up here because Bruce Arians a couple weeks ago made the comment that he thinks Godwin could be close to a 100-catch guy in Tampa. Now, given that you have Mike Evans on this championship dynasty team, and I got Mike Evans on a couple of dynasty teams myself, how concerned are you that Godwin actually could be scooping up more targets and, and actually causing Evans to not have maybe as, as big of a season this, uh, this upcoming year? Your thoughts on this Godwin-Evans target split? Well, uh, overall, I, I definitely expect the, the Arians offense to, to be better this year. Uh, uh, I, I can't say I can't say I'm concerned. I'm not concerned at all. But I personally, I, I feel that Mike Evans is gonna is gonna get his targets. He, he's just too good of a receiver. And and actually, I I don't have a problem if there's a few more targets that go over to Godwin because I, I think overall I think it's gonna balance out that offense. Um, and it may very well even take some coverage off Mike Evans. And it's just gonna make him that more that more potent. Uh, and then if you throw in O.J. Howard into the mix, that, that that's that's a that's a pretty formidable offense, I think. And right now they haven't really proved to me that there's much of a, a, a run game yet either. So I think they're going to be throwing the ball. No, you're right. And and to me, I, I hear that and I'm like, man, Jameis Winston sounds awful good right now. If if he's got all those targets with with Godwin and Evans and and Howard, uh, you know, uh, to to throw to, and not to mention Cameron Bray, by the way, is still on that team. So that could be pretty good for Winston. I'm just looking at his ADP right now, um, and he is going as the number uh, nine quarterback off the board right now. Winston uh, going at the um, 806. So that's, I mean, if you wait on quarterback, I mean, that seems a little bit high, but obviously the ceiling is is pretty big there. We already talked about Godwin's uh, ADP as well, but you're right. It could be a mutually beneficial thing. You know, if Godwin gets more targets, it could make um, both he and Evans, uh, the the uh, the quality of those targets could go up and, and they could actually have more efficient seasons uh, as well. We are talking with Ryan Haida tonight a uh, two-time FFPC 2018 Dynasty Champion co-hosting the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. I am Eric Balkman. Staying on the topic, Ryan, of players on this title-winning team, how do you see this Chiefs backfield split between your Damian Williams on this squad and the new addition, Carlos Hyde? And let me couple, let me piggyback on, on that before you answer that. Do you see Kansas City investing a day-two pick? I don't think they go day-one, but a day-two pick in a running back on this team as well. How do you see the Chiefs' backfield shaking out for 2019? Well, first of all, I don't I don't envision the Chiefs taking a a back either in the first uh, really probably two three rounds. I, I think I think they have enough there. If nothing else, they they might get a little depth later in the draft. But uh, really, I, I I see it as Williams' job to lose. Uh, I mean, he he know he knows the offense. He had success there last year. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I can't say I'm overly confident in, as Hyde either. I see him more as a complimentary back. Uh, I, I guess I would anticipate Williams would probably see anywhere from 70 to 75% of the work in the offense. 
the hide also concerns me because you know he's what this is fourth his fourth team here in the last couple of years and um, he I mean he still and he still needs to learn this system. Damien Williams, I'm just looking at this right now, uh, 306 in FFPC draft. This is redraft, not dynasty. And uh, to me, on that Chiefs offense, and, and I know that, that he's not Kareem Hunt, but at the same time, they have the starting running back on Kansas City for a guy that, that you know, as you astutely pointed out, 70, 75%. I don't think that that's all. I don't think that, I mean, that might be conservative. And you look at Carlos Hyde, where he just can't seem to find a home right now. Um, nobody seems to use him. Nobody seems to want him. He does his services aren't in demand. He's sort of like an also ran on that team. Damian Williams could be pretty big. I mean, he's going behind Dalvin Cook, Sony Michelle, Leonard Fournette. Okay, I can see that. He's going ahead of Marlon Mack, Derrick Henry, and Carryon Johnson right now in that mid third round. So I think Damian Williams is a, is a strong buy in the mid third round right now. I just mentioned Derrick Henry. Let's talk about him. He was huge down the stretch here the last six weeks of the season. Will the breakout that we saw at the end of 2018 uh, continue uh, and bleed over into a dominant 2019 season? I mean, that you know, Lafleur is gone. He, he goes to Green Bay uh, to uh, you know, be the head coach there, so they have a new uh, OC there in Tennessee. How do you see Derrick Henry? Um, was that for real, or is he going to go back to being the running back that he's been the majority of his career? Well, I'm certainly very optimistic. I mean, I, I've, I've been, a, I guess, a Henry fan. I mean, I initially drafted him, and, um, you know, and I saw him as a bell cow back, but I mean, really didn't have his opportunity. And I thought he might have that opportunity last year until they brought in Deion Lewis, and uh, that threw off that theory. Uh, but he really showed his potential here towards the end of the last year, and, and I think showed everybody what he can do. So, um, I do believe that he, he's going to be their, their consistent bell call back. Or, and uh, Deion Lewis will, if anything, will be more of a third down back. But I, I agree with you. I, I think there's still a lot of variables in this one with the change of offense coordinator uh, as well, you know, Mariota. Uh, if Mariota can open up that offense, and open up some of those holes and get some passing attack. I, I think it's only it's only going to help the value of that running game. So if they're able to do that, I, I I think they they could have a very good thing going. And I would expect some bigger numbers out of Derrick Henry. I think he's got the confidence now. Yeah, and and you know the other thing too is is Arthur Smith is the new offensive coordinator uh, for the Titans. He was in uh, in. Um, in inside hire, he was the tight ends coach in 2018. So obviously, uh, whatever that Titans offense was doing down the stretch, he was a part of that, uh, and he knows uh, how to get Derrick Henry unleashed. Corey Davis, hopefully, will will stay healthy, and and he could be a big factor in this offense. Uh, they they just ink um, uh, Adam Humphreys uh, to to play wide out there as well, paying him a lot of money. Uh, so certainly, and I think you make the, a great point there. It hinges on the health and, and the development of Marcus Mariota. And as long as he's able to take another step forward, that Titans offense should do the same. Uh, no Odell Beckham for the Giants in 2019, Ryan. Uh, Sterling Shepard gets his contract extended, but the Giants also paid a lot of money to sign Golden Tate. So I'm curious, who gets more, like who is the number one receiver in this offense? Who gets 
the you know the majority of the targets and which guy for fantasy purposes would you rather have this season? Well, personally, I, I think I think that's a pretty I think that's a close one, really. Um, but I believe Shepard's gonna get a, gonna get more of the targets. Uh, just basically off a, a few reasons. One, he's got that rapport with Manning already. He know he knows the system. Um, what, what, one thing that I was initially concerned about uh, was last year when they when they were were not playing with Odell. I I actually expected uh, Sterling to you know get an uptick you know do better, but I I didn't really see it. I didn't see that production. But uh, you know that, that that's also you know, injuries during the year too. I mean, that's sometimes harder to prepare for those, but I think, you know, being that they have an off season, they can, they can prepare, they can get the offense up and rolling and get some of that rapport. I, I do like golden Tate. Uh, however, you know, he, he, he's another year older. I actually thought he would, he would produce more in Philly when he went to Philly. Um, but I think overall, I, I think the production, more production is going to go to uh Sterling Shepard. You know, and and I'll just tell you this right now. Golden Tate is going at the 10-10 in FFPC draft. Sterling Shepard going at the 11-10. I, I think, you know, when in doubt, I usually side with youth. So I think I'm with you that I'd, I'd rather have Shepard uh, than Tate this season. But here's the crux of the matter. You know, the Giants offensive line is improved. It's all right. It's, it's not a world beater, but it, it's all right. Uh, and you have Saquon Barkley there. Uh, and then Eli Manning, who obviously has been declining for like the last three years now. I mean, does it matter between these two guys for fantasy, uh, w- which guy is the number one and, and which guy isn't, given the, the shape that this offense is in right now? I mean, I guess I'd rather have Shepard than Tate, Ryan, but I don't know. I, I'm not terribly excited about either one of these guys, uh, truthfully. I, I I definitely agree with you. I, I think actually the production is going to be pretty pretty similar. You also won the 250 uh, Dynasty Best Ball number 48 league this past season. Uh, Ryan, I, how does the strategy change as far as the draft, as far as team management, uh, given that that's a best ball uh, as, as opposed to the sort of like the quote-unquote normal classic Dynasty leagues? Is there, is there much change in the strategy in that, or how did you approach that differently? Well, I, I think there's definitely – a, a different strategy depending on which one you're in. I mean, my, my, my best ball team, uh, I, I see it more as a draft and forget team, uh, which is, I, I don't focus very much my time on it really, you know, and so much of it comes down to how you drafted and really it's got a few more players on it. So usually there's uh, less free agents to really ultimately choose from. I like, you know, really I drafted with, you know, with a youth mindset on it while still having some of those veterans on it, but you really just have to focus on depth. Um, when it comes to my, my stand, my standard dynasty team, I mean, that's, that's more on a, a week, week to week management team. Uh, I, I really have to take in consideration on each week when you set your lineups, uh, you know, the matchups, Who's got the hot hand? Is there any weather conditions? You really have to look at it differently than you do a best ball. That you just let it run and uh, you know just 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 hope just hope you. I guess you have you know two two good running backs, two good receivers, a couple of 
couple good flex. You, you just hope you have a good week that you can put together. Yeah, no, for I, and I think that makes perfect sense. Good insight on the differences uh, uh, on how to manage those teams properly. I mean, you obviously have done it with aplomb, getting both teams to win the title last year uh, for sure. Ryan, a couple of emails that came in for uh, you this afternoon. First one's from Jerry in Newport Beach, California. He writes, hey, Ryan, with Dalvin Cook now in his first full year coming off his ACL tear, is he about to significantly improve on his 2018 RB30 finish. Good luck this season. Thank you for the email. Jerry in Newport Beach, California, and I did verify this, uh, that Dalvin Cook did indeed finish as the, uh, the, the running back 30 next year, and I think a lot of fantasy owners are betting on a big uh, bounce back given that he is going in FFPC drafts right now, Ryan, at the 208. And I think that is, let's see, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. He's the 12th running back. Uh, coming off the board. So to me, uh, the FFPC drafters clearly think that Dalvin Cook's uh, in for a big uh, bounce back season. Your thoughts on him? And I believe you own Dalvin Cook in one of these leagues as well. I do. It's uh, it's on that uh, that number one team. Um, yeah, of course, you know, I'm a big Vikings fan, so I've watched him since day one. Uh, it, really, when it comes down to Dalvin Cook and, and, and the Vikings, uh, I, I think they're I think they're going to have an improved offensive line that's only going to help our running game. Uh, I, I I think they got to take some of the, the the stress and some of the pressure off Kirk Cousins, I, and I do think they're going to run the ball more, do a few more screens. I, I think he's going to be more focused in the offense. In addition to the fact they no longer have Latavius Murray, so he's not looking over his shoulder on that either. So I, I think really, you know, if Dalvin's going to produce, this is this is going to be one of those years to show it. He is going uh, right behind David Johnson, Joe Mixon, and Nick Chubb, uh, and uh, going ahead of Sony Michelle, Leonard Fournette, and Damian Williams right now. Cook is sort of like the the end of that first tier. Uh, there is um, about a half round, a little bit more, actually almost a full round, uh, separating him and Sony Michelle as far as uh, the running backs go in draft. So uh, a little bit of a drop-off after Cook, as far as the drafters are concerned in the FFPC. One more email I want to smash here. Joe in Burlington, Mass. What's up, Ryan? Since he has a more than capable quarterback playing in in front of him, does Leonard Fournette have top five running back potential now? Thank you for the email, Joe in Burlington, Massachusetts. And we should mention, as long as uh, this emailer is uh, is writing uh, to us about uh, Leonard Fournette. He was in the he was in the news for the wrong reason uh, today, as he was arrested for a um, a traffic uh, violation. I'm I'm bringing up the story here uh, right now. He was uh, knowingly driving with a suspended license and, and speeding. Uh, the Jaguars said that they're uh, currently gathering more information. Uh, they're not commenting on it. Uh, to me, I'm 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 looking at um, as far as um, you know what this means from a legal perspective. This isn't a huge deal, but you know you think about uh, Tom Coughlin and and sort of like how how he and Leonard Fournette have have not always seen things seemingly in the same way, uh, and the fact that the Jaguars voided the guarantees uh, in in his contract when he was suspended last year and, and they considered moving on from him. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this is all bad news, but if everything clicks properly, 
I think he has top five running back potential. I don't think he finishes in the top five, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Um, but, again, things have to start moving in more of a positive direction, and they don't seem to be moving that way right now, Ryan. No, I, I completely agree. Um, and, I, and I can't say I'm, I'm a big fan of Leonard Fournette. Um, so yes, they, 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 they've, they've, they've got a, they've got a quarterback in there. Uh, but the things that concern me with Fournette is just, you know, really his injury history. I mean, he, he seems not to be able to play, uh, a full season. He, he's been inconsistent. And now with the, the, the team issues, the off field issues, uh, those are some of my concerns with him. I want to, uh, wrap up the, before we get into the news uh, section of the show. Can you give us a guy, uh, and, and we'll talk about this from, from, a, from a redraft, not necessarily dynasty standpoint, but a guy that you're actually going to be staying away from in the early rounds in 2019, Ryan, and, and a guy that you think is a, is a sleeper uh, that is not going very high in drafts right now that you think is going to break out in 2019? Well, I... I, I know I no, I know I just talked about one of my guys that I'm going to stay away from Fournette. I'm uh, I, I do stay away from him. I, I I personally I have a history of stay, staying away from players that do have some of those injury histories. Uh, just just because I, I I don't feel I ever have the confidence in them to get me through a full year or uh, to get me the production that I need. Uh, they, 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 I almost have to see it to believe it before I before I have confidence in them. Um, so I would definitely stay away from Leonard Fournette. Um, but one of my sleepers, uh, one of my sleepers that I expect to break out this year, um, I, I'm, I am a big fan. I know I already mentioned his name a little bit ago. Was Latavius Murray. Uh, I, I think if he hasn't already jumped up on some draft boards, I, I think he will be, because uh, I see him uh, really, really taking over the role of Mark Ingram. They're in a high-powered offense uh, with the Saints, uh, and, and, I, and I see, I see this as a good opportunity for him, because uh, ultimately Latavius Murray tra- traditionally. Uh, even what I've seen last year, I mean, he, he was drafted anywhere between round 13 to 15. I would definitely expect him to go uh, any between seven and eight any, any, anyway now this year with that new role. You make a good point about Latavius Murray. He has moved up in drafts ever since he signed with the Saints, and, and Mark Ingram uh, has, in fact, moved on to uh, Baltimore. Latavius Murray's ADP since the start of the month, so we're, we're looking at about three dozen drafts here uh, as, a, uh, as a sample size over the last uh, week and a half. He is going at the 808 uh, in FFPC drafts right now as uh, he is going behind guys like Rashad Penny, Jarek McKinnon, and Jordan Howard. However, he is being drafted in front of David Montgomery, Lamar Miller, and Royce Freeman. So he is going at the 808. And, and think about this, too, and, and, and you didn't bring this up, but there's, there is something to be said. If, God forbid, Kamara were to go down, you're all of a sudden looking at a, a, a fringe top 12 running back uh, as, as he would step into a lot more volume if Kamara were to miss any time. Uh, so, all oh, good, good point with, uh, with Latavius Murray there for sure. Ryan, let's get into um, to some of the news that's going on around the NFL as we are, I think, two weeks from tonight. Uh, the NFL draft will commence 
in Nashville, Tennessee. So we are building up to that. I want to thank football guys, Roto World and Rob, of course, for tonight's rundown. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, according to a report on ESPN, says he is not concerned about his workload. Quote, I played in every game last year. felt great. I can do it again. I feel I can do it over the next many years. Uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey played 91.3% of the offensive snaps for the Panthers last year, and that was with playing only 10 snaps in Week 17. Uh, Carolina has already talked about bringing someone in to, to sort of take the load off McCaffrey's body uh, a little bit, but we'll have to see if that actually happens. Christian McCaffrey is going as the consensus number two overall pick in FFPC redraft right now. Is that a spot you can get on board with, Ryan, in, in, uh, in drafts, is taking McCaffrey if you have the two pick? Absolutely. I, he, he, he's the most consistent player in that offense, if not a majority of the offense all, all together. So I think you can expect that week in, week out. I, I do think that, you know, as the years mount on him, I, I, that definitely is going to slow down on him and it could very well catch up on him though. I'm, you know, here's the thing. Like, I know he can run between the tackles. Uh, I, I think we learned that last year. Uh, it doesn't mean I want him to, because I feel like with his pass catching skills and his ability to perform in space, I really don't want him taking uh, the – it'll extend his career if he's in the slot. It'll extend his career if he's, if he's going out in, in, um, in passing routes. You know? So it's like, look, Christian, we know you can do it. doesn't mean you should be doing it. So I, I don't – and I don't own – I don't think I own him in any dynasty leagues uh, right now, but he's the type of guy that if I did own him in dynasty leagues, I just – I'd always want him to be out there, you know, 90% of the snaps – just not running the football between the tackles. So uh, as far as the wear and tear goes, that's probably my biggest concern right now. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Carolina to bring in a, uh, another running back to, um, that's capable, not like a Jonathan Stewart type, not like an also-ran, but a guy who can actually make some plays out there. Uh, that would be good for Carolina for sure. Packersnews.com reports that Devontae Adams said he is, quote, looking forward to playing in the slot in Matt LaFleur's offense in Green Bay. Now, Randall Cobb, if you remember, signed a one-year deal with Dallas. He is gone, so the Packers have an opening at the slot wide receiver position in Green Bay. Quote from Adams, I think that's something that Matt is definitely looking forward to having me do. If that will take their number one off me and I can get some mismatches, maybe on the backer or the safety or anybody else, I think that is beneficial. PFF reported that Adams ran about 20% of his passing routes from the slot last season and was very efficient uh, from that spot on the field. If that number does go up, you know, you look at, I'll bring up Devontae Adams' stats uh, from last year. We, we all know that they were crazy good. But, uh, Ryan, i got to ask you, like, if, if he is um, going to be getting more action from the slot, and we know how efficient he was in the slot last year, this could mean even bigger things in 2019 and but this by the way coming off a season when Adams had 111 catches 1386 yards 13 touchdowns and I believe did not play in week 17 when the he had the opportunity to break the single season Packers team record for catches break the single season record for the Packers for receiving yardage um so he could I mean he would have had an historic year well he already did have an historic year for the Packers last year could have even been bigger but I'm telling you, man, if, he, if he's running in the slot, this is all good news for Devontae Adams 
uh, owners, and they are drafting him right now, Ryan, as the uh, second receiver off the board ahead of guys like Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and Odell Beckham at the 112. If you have the last pick of the first round, is Adams a player you want to be in business with there? Absolutely. I mean, he's Rogers' go-to guy. Uh, I, I'd be curious to see who, who they're going to put on the outside, and I'd also see if teams would start to uh, come in with a little different strategy and put their number one, move the number one around. Uh, but yeah, I, I could, I would, I would definitely, definitely draft him at the end of end of the first round. Yeah, nobody's talking about his uh, his potential for playing in the slot. Uh, more this season we've seen and we've seen bigger receivers go in the slot uh, and and have a lot of success you don't have to look any further on Jordy Nelson when he played in there he was great there I think about Larry Fitzgerald in Arizona he's been doing it there for years and 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 putting up great numbers there too so I I think Adams um, and now that you have more of a uh, modern quote-unquote modern head coach in Green Bay that's a little bit more forward-thinking uh, I think this could be big uh, for Devontae Adams there. The NFL Network's Ian Rappaport has reported that Oklahoma Sooners wide receiver Marquise Brown's injured foot looked, quote, excellent during medical rechecks, according to NFL.com. Uh, Brown had the Liz Franck injury uh, earlier uh, this year in January. He just started running again. Um, and this is a guy that was mocked you know, last during the college football season last year as a first-round pick. He's only 5'9", 166 pounds, uh, and, and it sounds like he's getting good reports from the doctors. I, you know, I'm a little skittish on drafting him in Dynasty Leagues. I, I don't – it's very, very difficult. Even if he does go in the first round, Ryan, it's very, very difficult for me to get on board uh, with such a small receiver. And I know he's explosive. But it's just very difficult for me to get on board with a guy who relies on his speed, and he's already had a Liz Franck injury. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm very. I, I don't see myself taking Marquise Brown in a lot of dynasty leagues this year. Well, I guess my mindset on it. I mean, kind of. It really just depends on where he's available. I mean, I, I wouldn't really look to him at a, at a first round, but. Is he available in the second round? You know, in some of those rookie drafts, sometimes that, I mean, you, you got to take the risk to get the reward too. Uh, even a Tyreek Hill, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty small receiver. And there was, well, I guess his was more, I, I guess, personal concerns, but um, he, he he turned out pretty well. Yeah, no, he did. And I don't think, in, at least in my opinion, Brown is not at the talent level uh, that 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 Hill is. Uh, and if and to your point, if Marquise Brown is available in like the early second round, and I have a few early second round picks in some of my leagues, I'm all over him there. Uh, but when you have guys like, and I'm I'm not a big DK Metcalf guy, but I look at guys like Debo Samuel and Nikhil Harry and Hakeem Butler and AJ Brown and all these other guys. I mean, I just there, there's so many other receivers um, that uh, I like better. That will change, however if somebody ends up taking Marquise Brown as the first receiver off the board in like the middle of the first round, I'm going to have to reevaluate because you know, whoever takes him there plans on using him early and often. Thankfully we're only about two weeks away from finding that out as the suspense is killing me. Field Yates on Twitter uh, reported that the Patriots have signed Austin Safarian Jenkins who played with the Jaguars last year 
to a one-year deal. Now, if you remember, uh, Jared Cook, uh, who was the sort of last best tight end out there, had signed a deal with the Saints, but never officially signed it. Not, you know, pen was not put to paper, and then Rob Gronkowski retired, but Jared Cook uh, stayed loyal to the Saints, decided not to go to New England, and now ASJ is going to be up in Foxborough playing with the likes of Matt Lacoste, Jacob Hollister, and Steven Anderson. Uh, five games he played for the Jaguars last season, 11 catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Not great. He had the core injury that put him on IR after that. Are you liking Austin Safarian Jenkins with Tom Brady and the Patriots this year, Ryan? You know, I think it's a good opportunity or for Severian Jenkins. Uh, I, I, I don't think he was in the best situation in Jacksonville, and I, and I think he's in a great situation uh, with the Patriots considering how they use their tight ends. So he, he, he could definitely reap some rewards picking him up. And I, if I recall the last draft that I was in, I think he was still going, you know, in, in the teens, 13, 14 round. So that, that's pretty good value for, you know, a tight end going to the Patriots. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the, now the ADP I don't think has has totally reflected this yet, um, but he was well. Here, here's the way I can frame it. So his ADP right now since April 1st, and obviously he signed after April 1st. Uh, but Austin Superior Jenkins was going at the 23.06 on average in FFPC best ball leagues. ASJ though has gone as high as the 11.09, and I think that's sort of where we're we're going to see him go. And in a tight end premium league, where you get a guy that Tom Brady is going to be throwing to in an offense that's you know basically bereft of a lot of options that they had last season, I think the 11th round is a good spot to take a flyer on ASJ right there. Uh, let's continue. Uh, get back to the college ranks. Former Alabama running back and uh, 2019 NFL draft potential first-round prospect Josh Jacobs uh, visited with the Indianapolis Colts today, according to a source. Now, Jacobs uh, is, is, you know, it, I haven't really seen a whole lot of mock drafts where he's not the first running back off the board. Uh, as Football Guys uh, puts it, he's a swift runner, has a ton of power, keeps his feet upon contact, and he can uh, be used as a receiver out of the backfield. Uh, he's not the greatest at changing direction quickly uh, once he gets up to speed, and the Colts already have a, a lot of backs in that backfield. They have Naheem Hines, they have Jordan Wilkins, and, of course, Marlon Mack. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I, you know, if he does go in the first round, Ryan, I think whoever take, is taking him there, is, is they plan on using him quite a bit. And I think if that happens, no matter where he goes, if he is a first-round pick, you kind of got to consider him at the first overall pick in rookie drafts. You, you definitely have to consider him. Um, you, you said it, it really kind of depends on where he goes and the situation that he's in. Uh, I, 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 you know, I mean, we just, we, we just talked about, you know, even in some kind of situation with the, like the Carolina Panthers, we just talked about it. And it's some somebody that's complimentary to to a McCaffrey, pop, pop him in there with some power that can create some more and take some off McCaffrey. You know that could very well be a good situation for him. Um, especially especially this draft isn't isn't the strongest for running backs as as I understand either. So uh, 
definitely to get some, you know, a, a good running back. I think they're going to go more at a premium a little earlier. Let's uh, let's get into some emails here as we have about 15 minutes or so left in the show uh, and go into Rich in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. He's up first this week. Uh, he writes, I'm thinking about joining my first ever FFPC double up and I'm curious as to what your thoughts are on how I should draft differently, if at all, when I play in this format. Thank you. That is Rich in Bridgeville, Pennsylvania. Thanks for the email, Rich. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ryan, but you actually played in a bunch of these last year, and I think you were pretty successful. Have you drafted uh, any double-ups so far this season? Uh, I think I've actually gotten into to one, one of them this year. Uh, I've had a little – I've – I haven't drafted as many early on this year. It seemed like a lot of my successful teams just came a, a little later. Uh, but I, but I did, I did draft one already here. Uh, actually, it started in January. So yeah, usually I draft year round. It's just the number of quantity. Uh, I do like double ups just because it allows me an opportunity to. Uh, Really, you have to place in the top six, so you basically have a 50-50 chance. And when you know, if you're in the top six, you're essentially getting you know, two fantasy drafts back. So it gives me an opportunity to really just kind of see, you know, how players are being drafted from even from the time at the Super Bowl all the way up to you know the, the start of the season and when you get into some of the, the the football guys championships and whatnot so it gives me an idea where players are being drafted and their value um, and you kind of see that as you go along so when it, and it's kind of it's kind of nice definitely to, to, to get into some of the you know the uh, those double ups because it allows you that opportunity to have multiple I guess multiple teams and multiple opportunities to to learn about just all about the draft process altogether. Uh, I I don't think I'd really change my my draft strategy, but one thing that I try to do is I do try to mix up my my I guess my teams. Obviously, you don't want all the same players on all the teams, but if if, if you have 50-50 decisions, you know go go the opposite way on the next one. It allows you more opportunities. Uh, to have more success. So I, I and I think the, the 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 question that I think a lot of people would have on their minds when you're considering that okay, well, all you got to do is finish in the top six. Doesn't matter if you're first. Doesn't matter if you're six. You get the same payout. Is well, do I need to take as many risks uh, in in this draft? Because I'm not trying to win first. I'm just trying to finish in the top half. And I think that you know you make the point like I you don't ch- you don't change your strategy that much it's not like you're trying to take more or less risks in this format you're just trying to diversify your portfolio a little bit more exactly miles sanders is the topic of our next email frank in palm beach gardens florida how good of a pro will miles sanders be and where do you think he will go in rookie drafts now i'll be honest with you uh Miles Sanders was behind the eight ball because he was backing up Saquon Barkley at Penn State. And um, that's a tough act to follow. That's an impossible act to follow uh, for a mere human. So I look at Miles Sanders, and honestly, his measurables at the combine were pretty good. He's got pretty good size. Um, The the reports I've read on him 
Uh, a lot of the scouts feel that he could be a three-down back in the NFL. He's not going to go in the first round. Um, she, you know, he, he's not going to be pushed up in rookie drafts. But I look at this guy, Ryan, if, if he can find a way to, to, to hang on to the football, because I know he's had some fumbling issues at, at Penn State, if he finds a way to fix that, I mean, he could be a really, really good pro. Your thoughts on Miles Sanders? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I have. I think he has the potential. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to say that I, I haven't seen a lot of film on him. I haven't uh, seen him in action to, to really get the, the full perspective on him. Um, definitely. I mean, coming coming from a system like Penn State, uh, following up Saquon, you're, you're definitely learning from the guy in front of you. It's already telling me you're going to have some skills. So I definitely think there's potential. If you do have a fumbling problem, yes, you definitely have to fix that or you won't really be in the NFL all that long. Let's look at uh, uh, Dennis in Fredonia's email here. Uh, Dear Balky and Ryan, are there any tight ends in this year's class that you think will or at least could have an Evan Engram-type rookie year? Appreciate you. We appreciate you. That is Dennis in Fredonia, New York. So, and this is, um, you know, widely reported as a pretty solid uh, tight end class. You know, you have obviously the Iowa guys and TJ Hawkinson and, and Noah Fant. Um, Irv Smith Jr. Uh, from Alabama uh, is in this class. We've heard some buzz on, on Jay Sternberger. I know, I think the Packers uh, met with Jay Sternberger, so that'd be an interesting add if they were to grab him uh, in this draft too. And then you think of, uh, Caleb Wilson, Foster Moreau uh, out of uh, LSU, and then Josh Oliver, a guy that not a lot of people are talking about out of San Jose State, my co-host of uh, my afternoon uh, local radio show here in northeast Wisconsin, uh, loves Josh Oliver uh, from San Jose State, thinks he's going to be a great pro. But, uh, Ryan, getting back to the point, are, are any, which one of these guys, if any of them, could have an Evan Engram-type rookie year, uh, is what Dennis is asking. Your thoughts on that? Well, considering consider I am from Iowa, I, you know, I, I definitely – I'm closer to those Iowa boys. Um, TJ Hawkinson, I, I always thought he, he, he was the complete player. I, I, did, I, I thought for some time he, he was better than Noah Font. Uh, he's a better blocker. I saw him strong routes, good hands. Uh, uh, that that would be my most impressive tight end that they have out there. But I mean, really, the the, the top three. I don't I don't know if you could go too wrong with Noah or Irv Smith either. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just. I, I think if anybody could have a a a a, a quote-unquote studly rookie season, uh, Hawkinson. I mean, I, I think Fant, what's going to cost him, at least for his rookie season, is he still struggles as an inline blocker, which is going to prevent him to be, uh, you know, it's going to prevent him from being on the field a ton. And obviously fewer snaps means fewer targets, means fewer catches, which means lower um, uh, fantasy output. So it's difficult for me to see that with, with Fant. I think Irv Smith is solid. I don't think he's all that um, 
he's not moving the needle for me at tight end. I think if there's anybody who could, it's Hawkinson. I mean, this guy's a polished blocker. He's a two-way guy. He's uh, skilled at getting open. He's got good hands. Uh, and this is the reason that, I mean, I don't think he's going to go in the top 10, but he's probably going to go somewhere between 11 and 20 in the draft. Um, and, and I think if anybody could, it's Hawkinson. I hesitate to say he's going to have that type of rookie season because that was a pretty special year that Evan Engram had. Uh, and I don't know if any of these guys do it, but if any of them were to do it, uh, I like Hawkinson to be that guy. Let's go to Dan in Baltimore. He writes, hey, Ryan, and I guess bulky. Not sure if you've drafted so far in 2019, but have there been any surprising trends or aspects that you've seen this year compared to years past? Thank you for the email, Dan in Baltimore. Uh, I have not drafted in 2019 yet, but I don't think that's the case. Ryan, you've already drafted a few teams uh, already this season, right? I have. I've completed four of them, and i got two going on currently. Um, really has, any, just, has anything stood out to you as far as like, you know, stuff that you're seeing this year that you didn't see last year or, or is it, uh, it, it, you know, this ADP is obviously still sort of forming itself right now. And, and, uh, you know, that stuff kind of like you dialed until mid to late August, but anything that that's standing out to you? Well, I mean, I, I think the trend has kind of continued for sure the last couple of years where you, you see a majority of the, the backs are going first. Uh, it's always surprising how, you know, even the, the, the top and the best receivers still go in the, in the last part of the, the, the first round, early part of the second. Um, I, I will definitely say I'm, I'm old. I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is a great talent. I think he's spectacular. Uh, but, I mean, in most of the drafts I've been in, he's been going in uh, the second round. Uh, I, I guess I, I couldn't pull a trigger on Patrick in the second round, um, not, not, not with the potential of, you know, the strong ru- running backs. Usually running backs are a little harder to get, and you need more of them. Uh, same with the tight ends. Uh, Tight ends. I mean, your your big three are Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle, which are which are typically gone within the first round and a half. Uh, it's just a premium on the tight end, especially especially with FFPC. Um, and based off the the history and the production, they actually shown they can do it. The the, the rest are, you know, kind of we'll we'll see. I guess you could say, but. That's really some of my, my, my views and perspectives. And I, I think the backs are going higher than probably they should be over some of these receivers, but that's just more of a premium for them. Well, Ryan, let me, let's get back to the tight ends here for a second. In your draft so far this season, how important has it been for you to get a top three tight end? Because to your point, the, 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 the top three guys are gone by the mid-second, and then the, the next you know tier doesn't start being selected until the end of the fourth. How much have you been targeting or how important or how crucial is it for your teams to get one of those top three tight ends this season? Well, typically I put a, I put more of a premium on it. I, I like the tight end. They're few and far between and they're harder to get. Um, usually I, I, I like to go with a, one, one, of the, one of the stronger tight ends. Uh, I, I'll, I'll take a Travis Kelsey higher than expected. Absolutely, and then I'll then I'll, then I'll turn around and I'll take a, a you know take take a risk or 
and, and go with, you know, a, a younger one that may very well, you know, turn, turn up strong like a TJ Hawkinson. I mean, I'll, I'll take, I'll take him in a, in a, in a, in a round 11 with a Travis Kelsey and even in the first round, uh, it get, gives me, gives me already some solid support with, with potential to have a sleeper that I could use potentially as a, a, a good flex, at least at a, as a bye week fill in. I mean, I like waiting on quarterbacks. Um, I've had some pretty successful zero RB teams over the last couple of years as well. Uh, so I, I could definitely, and in a tight end premium format, I could definitely get on board with using like a top 17 pick on, on one of those tight ends for sure. Uh, in, in, and formulate a pretty strong team behind it, no doubt. Final email of the week. Let's go to Chicago. It's Roger. In all seriousness, how likely is it that the Seahawks actually ship Russell Wilson off to a different team? Keep up the good work, fellas. That's Roger in Chicago. Appreciate that, Roger. Um, so, so there's been talk that Russ, you know, Russell Wilson is, is coming up on, on a big payday, and there's talk that Seattle might ship him off rather than pay him your thought. Okay. So whatever happens, happens on that or whatever. But to me, uh, and and feel free to to tell me if I'm way off base on this, Ryan, but when the Seahawks went to those back-to-back Super Bowls, part of the reason that they got there was because Russell Wilson was on that rookie contract where they weren't, they didn't have to pay him a ton and they could load up uh, and pay other players at premium positions. Uh, think about how dominant that defense was and some of the playmakers they had on offense. And and uh, it was all predicated on them not paying $30 million a year to their quarterback. And to me, if they were to move him, this is a suggestion of them trying to reset the clock and go back to whatever worked, get another quarterback on a rookie deal, and then you have guys like Rashad Penny you have guys like Chris Carson playing behind a decent offensive line, and you still have a, 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 a decent defense there that you can ride out and, and try to build that back up while you groom this rookie quarterback. You still have the strong defense. You still have the strong run offense. I think that would be the – and I don't, I don't think that they would do that, but I think that would be the, the plan of attack. So for fantasy purposes, if that happens, I want to be in business with Chris Carson. I want to be in business with Rashad Penny. What do you think, Ryan? Well, I, I definitely agree. I, I agree with your theory. I have, I have a hard time thinking that they, they, they would pull a trigger on that type of deal. Um, I mean, he he's ultimately in the face of their franchise uh, that, that's gained them, you know, a great amount of their success, obviously behind a strong defense, but uh, the, the way that he uh, eludes defenses, uh, quick to release the ball. I mean, he was super efficient last year. He didn't even throw the ball that many times. He didn't have a ton of yards, but he had a ton of touchdowns. Um, I really think he's the leader of that team. I guess I'd have a hard time thinking that they would trade him. But, I mean, it definitely makes sense what, you, what you're saying. I mean, I think the latest news, what did I hear today? I, I heard talk about the Raiders and potentially giving up uh, almost – basically three first round draft picks. I mean, that's, that's also a lot of draft capital to, 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 to build a team, to get a, get a good quarterback uh, as well as some, some help on the defense or offensive line where, wherever you need it as well. So I, I can see both perspectives yeah. on it. I have a hard time seeing it though. 
I, I, and that's my, my thing. You know, I've always had, for many, many years, I, thought, I felt like there's three positions in the NFL that once you found a good one, you paid them and you kept them on your team because you just can't find them anywhere else. You can't go out and buy them. You can't draft them. Once you find them, you hang on to them like grim death because there just aren't enough to go around. And that was quarterback, and that was a pass rusher, and that was a left tackle. Now, I don't think the same way about left tackles the way I used to. I, I think my philosophy on that changed, you know, five, ten years ago or so. I think they're still important, but I don't put them on the same level as pass rushing outside linebackers or pass rushing defensive end. I think if you can find a great pass rusher or a great quarterback, those are the ones you hang on to. I think that Seattle wants to find a way to pay Russell Wilson and still remain competitive. I mean, obviously it's happened before. You can, you can still pay a quarterback and threaten to be in the Super Bowl every single year. So it, when it comes down to it, I don't think that they'll let him get away. But at the same time, if they do, and they, let's say they, they do trade him to a team like Oakland that's going to offer up three first-round picks, use one of those first-round picks on a quarterback, and then you, know, you reset the process, and plus you get two other first-round picks, not to mention your own first-round pick, and boom, you could really be part of something special there. I don't think they do that, but it'd be interesting to, to follow, and, and it'll be fun uh, if it actually does happen, come to fruition, and maybe that'll start a new chain of events and a new trend in the NFL of, of trying to get these quarterbacks on rookie contracts to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, great stuff. Ryan Haida tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is my co-host on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, a champion of two separate FFPC Dynasty Leagues, cashed in uh, probably, I, I don't know, close to a dozen other leagues last year alone. Uh, been very successful uh, in this format. Best of luck to you in all of your leagues going forward. Uh, enjoy the NFL draft. Enjoy your rookie drafts uh, that are coming up, Brian. I really appreciate you doing the show this week uh, with me, man. This is, this is fun. This is entertaining, informative, and I, and, uh, I, had, a, I had a blast. Thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation as well. Um, I certainly look forward to a good year, and I, I do thank you for all the questions and all the write-ins. And uh, nice to hear from a lot of lot, lot of my fellow fans and high-stake players. Yeah, it's always good. It's always you know it's it's a it's a think tank here uh, on the show. We're constantly bouncing ideas off each other and. And uh, I think one of the things that, that, that I've sort of prided myself on over the last decade is really opening my mind up to certain philosophies and strategies that I've, I've sort of written off in the past, that stuff that I never thought could work. And, and I think the more I open my mind up to, to new and, uh, and different things that I haven't tried before, uh, the better fantasy owners uh, we all become. And, and that's definitely been true of me. And, and hopefully it's definitely true of uh, the listeners as well. Ryan, I appreciate your insight, dude. Uh, great stuff tonight. And we'll talk again real soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Ryan Heide, ladies and gentlemen, a double winner in the FFPC Dynasty Leagues last year. Uh, won a bunch of other leagues as well. Awesome to have him on as the co-host tonight in Dave Gerzak's stead. So I want to thank him. I want to thank the FFPC. I want to thank Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for listening. Dave will actually be back next week, believe it or not. I think it's just the he's done. I think he's missed the last three shows, four shows. I can't keep track of it anymore. But we will be on next week with 1250 Dynasty number 2 champion Lee Herman. He will be our guest next week on the show as we return 
to Friday. Check out the Maiden Dynasties. Remember, last chance to get in on a pre-NFL Maiden Dynasty draft. Best ball leagues at MyFFPC.com. This has Your been another episode now. of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. We're on the team explore, even more so if we on tour. Me and E explore the country, wondering about the evening before. Trying to explain where the time went. Will other rappers find a studio to grind in? It's uh, I, 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 two weeks away from the NFL draft, I, I, and I feel like I'm... I don't know why, but I feel like I'm less prepared this year than I have been in years past. And it's weird because it's such a deep receiving class. It's not all that great for running backs. But as we all know, when we get up to uh, the NFL draft and and these running backs get taken in round one, uh, at the end of round one, they get taken in round two or whatever, they get pushed up in these rookie drafts because of the fact that they should see high volume in their rookie year. So, it is going to be a thrilling NFL draft. It is going to be a thrilling rookie draft uh, for anybody coming up in May that is going to be participating in that. That's going to be awesome as well. It's a great time to be a fantasy football fan, and uh, it's a great time uh, to be uh, doing this show. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Dave will be back next week. Lee Herman will be on the show. We'll learn a lot from him as well. And thanks for tuning in on a Thursday night. I certainly appreciate it. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again, 10, 9 central, next Friday.